Hey, we are reading, we're going to read, start reading today in Matthew chapter 24, verse 32. Continue along the chronological life of Jesus. Jesus is speaking about the end times. And in, in uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 32, it says, Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its, branches, when its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So Matthew 24, verse 33. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that He is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but My words will not pass away. So all three Gospels speak about this portion. In the Gospel of Luke, it doesn't, it doesn't mention just the fig tree. It says, the fig tree and all the trees. And it also says that He was teaching them a parable. So with this statement, this is a parable. Some people have taken the fig tree to mean Israel. Well, if the fig tree is Israel, what are all the other trees that are mentioned? Are those all the other nations? And it was never meant to be a dating device because if if some people say a generation in the Bible is 40 years. No, sometimes a generation is spoken about 20 years, sometimes 40 years. In Genesis, a generation is spoken about 100 years because it says that they will be in Egypt, Egypt for four generations. And then we know that that was 400 years they were in Egypt. So, so it's very hard to make a dating device out of this. But he's saying, when you see these signs that I was just speaking about, know that, that uh, uh, this is for the generation that was living in the second half of the tribulation. That second half of the tribulation generation, he was encouraging them, as we spoke about last week, all the turmoil that would come upon that period He's encouraging them to just wait three and a half years and Messiah will come. But then in verse 36, he starts to speak now of the rapture. Now, a lot of us know about the rapture. Well, a lot of people know about the rapture because of this Left Behind series. I've not seen any of it. I've only heard about it. Uh, uh, but it's in, that, it's in that context that many people understand and know something about the rapture. This is where he starts talking about that. Now, remember, the rapture precedes this tribulation period. And, and you say, well, it, it, it's listed afterward. Even in the book of, of, uh, of Luke, it's listed, a, listed afterwards. But Jesus is speaking, and then He brings us back. He says, let me tell you about something else. And we know that if you look in, in, in verse 36 of Matthew 24, it says, but of that day and hour. That word, but, can have many meanings. And in the scriptures, the, the, in, in the uh, Greek, that that word is, is uh, peridi. It is this word that now concerning. So many times in, in, the, in the epistles, you will read about Paul speaking about a topic. Then he'll end that topic. He'll start another one. He'll say, now concerning. And he's speaking about a new topic. This is the same word. It happens here to be translated as, as, as B-U-T. But it's this now concerning, I'm changing thoughts here, I'm speaking about something, and now he's going to start describing the rapture. And, and what I want to do is I want to begin to look at this idea of the rapture so people know about it from the Left Behind series. But let me, let, let's just look at a few scriptures. So we're going to first look in 1 Thessalonians, the book of 1 Thessalonians. And so, so uh, we're going to look in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 4, reading from verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. 
But I do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him, <clears throat> bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So, what's Paul doing is because there was talk in that church in Thessalonica, there was talk that, hey, maybe the Lord has already come and we missed Him. Maybe he's already, the rapture's already occurred. And he's now calming them down. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, in verse 13, about those who are asleep. Asleep is the terminology in the New Testament, and Jesus used it all the time, for someone who is a believer and had died. Because he termed that as, as sleep. Remember the young girl, he said, she's not dead, she's only asleep, and they laughed at him. He said, Lazarus is asleep, and they laughed at him. If he's asleep, he'll wake up. No, he's dead. This is what I mean. So, so when a believer, he, Jesus always spoke of them as being asleep, and you see... Throughout the New Testament, they do this, do this because they know that these people will rise again. So he's saying, I don't want you to be uninformed. Those people who died, those believers who died, don't worry, they're going to be resurrected. In fact, they're going to precede us. He says, he says uh, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Then he goes on, he says, they precede us. So those who have died knowing Christ, they will be raised from the dead. They will be taken up, <coughs> excuse me, they will be taken up into the clouds, and then we will follow them. And so this is what it says, and then we will appear before the Lord Himself. This is where they get this left behind series, this rapture. It's from these verses that talks about these believers that are going to be taken up. All believers will be taken in that time. You say, well, they won't go through the tribulation. Not based on what I can see. Not based on what many scholars can see. Some people say, no, believers go through the tribulation. There's many believers that will go through the tribulation. But those that get saved after the rapture, many will get saved after the rapture. Remember we read last time of a second resurrection. The second resurrection that were those from the Old Testament saints that believed they're going to be raised up after the tribulation and they will then return to the nation of Israel there after the tribulation. So the Bible speaks about the second resurrection. And the book of Revelation talks about the second res resurrection. Let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And that again is speaking of the resurrection. This whole chapter is talking about the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 50. He says, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does perishable inherit imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. 
for this imperishable must put on imperishable, this perishable must put on imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. And so he's speaking about this resurrection. Again, he's saying that those who have died in Christ are going to be raised. This is what he's speaking about. This rapture. And you can say, well, I don't believe in the rapture. Fine. What you should do is just tear those pages right out of your Bible. Tear out every page that you don't believe so you can conform it to your own image. All right? And, and, uh, but Jesus speak, is speaking about this. And here the apostles are speaking about this. So let's, ter- let's uh, um, look at Luke. Turn to uh, the Gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 21. And remember, this is the same chapter that we've been studying. This is where Jesus is speaking about the end times. Luke chapter 21, verse 34. Luke chapter 21, verse 34. Now, Jesus very much believed in the resurrection. So remember, if He believes in it and you don't, who's right? Alright? So, Luke chapter 21, verse 34. Be on your guard so that your hearts will not be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. And that day will not come on you suddenly like a trap. For it will not come upon, for it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of the earth. But keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So what are these things that are about to take place? He had just described to them the tribulation period, that seven year period where Israel is going to make a seven year covenant with the Antichrist. And after three and a half years into that, the Antichrist is going to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem and he's going to set himself up in the temple. And that's when Israel will break away and many in Israel will get saved at that point. They will become the world's evangelists, 144,000 of them, and then bring in many Gentiles. He says, you can escape that. You can escape that and you can appear before the Son of Man. There is an escape from that. And the escape is to receive Jesus and then you will escape this tribulation. If you die physically before, his, his, the, tribu- before the rapture occurs, you will go first. And then those who are believers on earth will meet together in the air at this shout, at the trumpet, at the shout of the archangel. And this is spoken about again in the book of Revelation. But let's turn back to Matthew chapter 24. And so we'll, we'll look at the rest of this in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, and uh, reading back down at, at uh, verse 36. Matthew 24:36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. So even Jesus in His humanity did not know. In His Godness, He certainly knew. But in his humanity, he didn't know. The, the tribulation period will be datable when... He, I'm sorry, his second coming will be datable once the tribulation starts. Once the tribulation starts, it's seven years to a second coming. But the rapture, no one will ever know. You can't predict that. He says, For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving, being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, be on the alert, 
for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. So, look at the difference here. He is speaking that life is going to be as normal. As normal. People are marrying, people are eating, people are drinking, and just doing the normal things of life. And boom! The rapture is going to occur. How do we know that this is not speaking of the tribulation? Because the tribulation period is going to be filled with darknesses that are going to be coming. Darknesses are going to occur over the whole earth. There's going to be these turmoils. There's going to be wars going on all over and, and lawlessness. That's not the picture you see during the rapture. During the rapture is normal life. Before the tribulation ever occurs, you see that there is going to be this rapture. And that's what we read about in Luke, that you can escape that tribulation. You can escape the very things that Jesus had just told you about by becoming a believer in Jesus Christ. And then what he does is he starts speaking about the things that are going to take place. It's this, he's, and and, and the, 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 the three things that he talks about that we are to be about in this period, when the rapture can occur at any moment, and what he's talking about since 70 A.D., the destruction of the temple, until now, the rapture is imminent. That doesn't mean it's happening tomorrow. It just means it can happen any time. Imminent means that it can happen at any time. And it, it speaks of three things that we're going to be reading about. He speaks of watchfulness, readiness, and laboring on behalf of Him. That we are to be watchful, we are to be ready, and we are to be laboring on behalf of the kingdom of God. That's what he speaks about. He speaks about we can escape this by being saved and those who are saved will be watchful, will be ready, and will be laboring for Him. That's what he speaks about. And so he's going to bring us into several parables talking about this sort of thing. So there are these things that are going to be facing the earth. It will happen. You say, well, you know, you're not sure about that. Well, what about all the other prophecies? What about the prophecies that Jesus had just gone through about what would happen to the nation of Israel? The nation was, of Israel was gone for almost 2,000 years. Who would, have, who would have ever thought that through these coming events and these world wars that all of a sudden you have these wars and rumors of wars that, these war, uh, that it's not that, but then when the whole world is engulfed in war, then the nation will come back. And exactly like he said, right after World War II, which was just an extension of World War I, Israel comes back. It's made a nation. And then sure enough, in 1967, they get Jerusalem back again. Whoever would have thought that they would get Jerusalem? But they didn't attack to get Jerusalem. They were attacked. And then fighting back, they ended up getting Jerusalem. Everything that is written is coming to pass. Everything that is written is coming to pass. And we might be able to sit here and say, well, you know, that's not going to happen in my day. You don't know. We don't know when this is going to happen. And so what I want to do is I want to begin to say that, that, uh, uh, and, and these parables will speak about this, this need to be watchful, ready, and laboring on His behalf. And we're going to see it. This need to be laboring on His behalf. That part of being a believer, the outworking of that, and it speaks about this in the book of James, that when we are believers, what should follow our good works? In fact, the Scripture says, He has saved us unto, or He has saved us for good works. Not on the basis of works, but He has saved us to do good works. And in this, 
in the obedience of Him, there is great joy. What I want to do is I want to turn to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11, which is sort of an unusual passage when we're speaking in this, in this context. But I want to, I, 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 what I want to do is I want to um, uh, bring this to a point where we, we start saying, well, what is it really that the Lord has me to be about here? What should I be doing? And what we see in Proverbs chapter 11 is we see that righteousness, how it's rewarded. So what we're going to see throughout this pattern is that if we serve the Lord, if we walk with Him, there is great reward in the future. This is what we're going to see. But what I want to do before I talk about that is I want to bring us back to Proverbs 11 to show us what is the reward here on earth in walking with Jesus according to His way. Because somehow, we have this sense, well, well, that's way out there. Let's bring it back home right now to us today. What is the reward in following God? What is the reward in following His ways? So let's start reading in verse 21. Proverbs 11:21. Assuredly, the evil man will not go unpunished, but the descendants of the righteous will be delivered. Look at the promise. The evil man will not go unpunished, but the descendants of the righteous will be delivered. You walk righteously and uprightly, even your descendants will be delivered. How many of you here are parents? How many of you here have children? Okay, so only a few of you here have children. One day you will have children. And this talks about a promise of good that will come upon your children if you walk with God. Verse, verse 22, As a ring of gold and a swine snout, so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. You know, this is an interesting verse that's thrown in there. So you can take this, this beautiful gold ring and you put it on a pig and it doesn't look very good, right? And it says, A beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like that. That's interesting. We are to show discretion in the way we dress, in the way we act. And it goes also for men, less so in dress, but more so in just behavior. Just behavior. We are called to be different. We're called to be different than the world. He's called us to be different. Verse 23, The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what's justly due and yet results only in want. Think about this. There, is, there are people that only accumulate for themselves. All of this is for me. Hey, this is mine. It's mine. And it says it results only in want. And then there's other people who take what resources they have and just scatter them. Use it on behalf of other people. And it says, and it increases all the more. It's really counterintuitive. You would think that the more you hold on to, the more you would have. The more content you would be. Because now you have everything that you, you wanted. But it says contentment, it, it, it says contentment and increase comes by taking what you have and releasing it. There is good that will come to you in this life if you learn to be generous. If you learn to be generous, there is good to you that will come in this life. One who scatters 
will increase all the more. And I have seen this with my own eyes. I've seen people who are selfish and stingy. And what they do is they, they, um, they're never satisfied. And then there's others who take their resources and they're always giving it out. Always giving it out. And they never lack anything. And in fact, they're much happier people. Verse 25, the generous man will be prosperous. And he who waters will himself be watered. The generous man will be prosperous. What we do in serving Jesus is not just for a future expectation. This is what we're going to see. We're going to see Jesus is going to speak about, in the coming weeks we're going to cover this, the blessing that comes in serving Jesus and the, 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 the fruitfulness that comes in serving Jesus in the future, where you're gathering up for the future. But walking with Jesus is not merely for the future. It is for today also. And that's what we're seeing. The generous man will be prosperous. He who waters will himself be watered. When, when I give of my time to pour into another individual, it says that God will water me, will pour into me. When you give of your time, of your money, of your resources to pour into the lives of others, you yourself will be blessed and you will be a much happier individual. Verse 26, He who withholds grain, the people will curse him, but blessings will be on the head of him who sells it. So this is in the context of him who has during a famine and he's keeping it all to himself. But it says that, that he who withholds grain, people will curse him. Verse 27, He who diligently seeks good seeks favor, but he who seeks evil, evil will come on him. That's the promise. You seek evil, evil will come on you. But you seek good, you will get favored. If you seek good things and good on behalf of the others, you will be favored in this life. Somebody will see it. You know, people have, have come and say, said to me, how can I get a job? I said, if you go to the church and you start serving in the church, people will see that service and they'll eventually want to hire you for something. They will want to hire you for something. There was a young lady from this class that went off to, um, uh, 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 went off to Cuba with the mission trip, the, the college mission trip a couple of years ago. And she just poured herself out and served and just loved those children and really served. And several of the men who went on that mission trip were presidents and CEOs of big companies. And then they were asking me about this young lady. They said, this, this young lady so-and-so, she's really amazing. Boy, I'd love to hire her. I mean, what a heart she's got. And that's exactly what happens. You pour yourself out in the context of serving others. People will see you. They'll want to hire you. You're already in a company. You pour yourself out for others and you yourself will be blessed. I was talking to one, man, one young man uh, just last night, and he works for Accenture. Accenture is a big company, right? And, and, uh, um, and so he's a consultant for Accenture. And, and, uh, um, and then somebody told me that he won Consultant of the Year. So I went and I talked to this guy. Now I know what this guy has been doing. He's been having Bible studies for all these people that he has to travel with. So you, you go to different cities and you do consulting. And he, he does consulting in the healthcare industry. And uh, he's been starting all these Bible studies that both his boss 
and his boss's boss have been coming to these Bible studies. He won consultant of the year, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, this is a group of, you know, 12 people. I said, how many people was it chosen from? He said, um, 50,000. When you water, you yourself will be watered. There is great blessing in serving the Lord. Great blessing. When you serve the Lord, there is great blessing. You keep the assets and the talents that you have to yourself. You will lose out not only in the future, but you will lose out in this life. You want to be hired for good positions? You be gracious and you be giving. And you will be hired for very good positions. It says the children of the righteous. The Bible says I have been been young and now I am old. But I have never seen the children of the righteous begging bread. I have never seen the righteous in need or their children begging bread. When you walk in righteousness and giving, God will bless you in this life and He'll bless your children. That's the promise. In verse 26 of uh, Proverbs chapter 11, He who withhold... Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, verse... Uh, what verse was I on? Verse 28. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like the green leaf. He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind, and the foolish will be the servant of the wise-hearted. The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he who is wise wins souls. The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. In the Garden of Eden was a tree of life. Had they taken of that tree and eaten of it, they would have lived forever. And that's why as soon as they sinned, God put an angel to guard that tree of life because He didn't want them to live forever in that fallen state. In the book of Revelation, we see that He puts back that tree of life, gives us access to that tree of life. Here He says, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. And he who is wise wins souls. Isn't that interesting? You know, not everybody is called to be an evangelist. I'm not called to be an evangelist. Everybody thinks I am. No, evangelists, they they just speak and lots of people get saved. Uh, uh, Bill Bright was like that. Bill Bright, who started Campus Crusade, he could get on an elevator and by the time it reached his location, the person on the elevator with him, he would get them praying the sinner's prayer. The guy was amazing. He's an evangelist. Billy Graham is an amazing evangelist. If I said what Billy Graham said... Two people in, this, in, in, in the entire stadium might get saved. Might. He says it, and 10,000 people come forward to receive the Lord. He's an evangelist. Yet he's called us all to be evangelists in the context in which we live. He says, he who is wise wins souls. You know, you will come to a point when people will come to you in need. And if you look at it as a burden, as a burden, and well, what am I going to do with this guy? Share the Lord with them. Share the Lord. God has given you insight and wisdom and knowledge into this. How dare we take this and keep it to ourselves when people are in need? How dare we keep this back from them? To tell them about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and He who who can save them from this path of darkness. God has placed something, if you are a believer, He's placed something into your life and you are obliged 
to share that with others. It says, He who wins souls is wise. God told Daniel, He who wins souls will be like a star shining forever and ever. Because then the souls that you win go on and win other souls and it goes on forever and ever. He told Daniel. We are obliged to do this and we are surrounded in a world of hurting people. And people come and say, well, you know, in this context it's hard to share. You know, I share with students all the time. Then I share with them about the things of Jesus Christ in my life and, you know, let them complain. I mean, if they complain, I mean, all right, I'm sorry. All right? You know, and, and, uh, and by the time the next person complains, the people who talk to me about it, well, they'll be retired. They'll, they'll be dead or gone on somewhere. Nobody will remember that I was told this before. You know, it's not that big of a deal. And, and uh, he says, he who wins souls, he, he who is wise wins souls. Verse 31, if the righteous will be rewarded in this earth, in the earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner. Look what he does. He's saying this isn't just for the future. This is for this life. The righteous will be rewarded in this life. You walk righteously and uprightly. You will see. You pray and God will bring a great spouse into your life. He'll do that. He'll do that. Ask of Him. He will do that. If you walk selfishly, you'll find a selfish spouse. And your home will be miserable. Because the Scriptures are very clear about this. They said, whatever, it says, whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. Whatever you sow, you will reap. You sow selfishness, you'll reap selfishness. And it doesn't say that you'll just reap according to the amount that you've sown. It says, you sow a little bit and you get a lot back, it's going to be overflowing into your lap. It's the same idea. You plant one kernel of corn. How many kernels of corn do you get from one kernel? 10,000? So you sow a little bit of selfishness, you get a lot of selfishness back. You really will. You'll be put with selfish bosses. You'll be put with selfish co-workers. God will see to it. That's what you wanted. You know, I'm, I'm going uh, you, whatever you've sown, you're going to reap many, many fold. It's not like He didn't warn us. He warned us. You sow a little bit of kindness, a little bit of goodness, and He surrounds you with kindness and goodness. And this happens all the time. Like, I don't deserve all this. That's right, you don't. This is the way God multiplies this. I don't deserve being surrounded with all these good people. I don't deserve being put in a place like this. You don't. That's right. But you sowed a little bit. And this is the principle of sowing and reaping. So in the future weeks, as we look at this watchfulness, readiness, and laboring, Jesus is putting this in the context of the future. But remember, it's also for this life where you live today. Let's pray. Abba Father, I thank You so much for Your Word, for the truth of it. And I pray that You would just drive this home into the hearts of these young people. That they would love Your Word and honor Your Word. Father, I pray that, that You would speak to their hearts to sow goodness and righteousness. And Father, those who have not received You, Father, I pray that You would save their souls so that they would be able to escape the tribulation that is to come. Father, I pray that they would give their hearts to Jesus. 
and ask Jesus into their lives. Father, for those that do not know You, I pray that they'd ask Jesus into their lives and be saved. And Father, for those that know You, that they would be watchful, they would be ready, and they would labor for the Lord until You call us home. Father, Your mercies be upon them, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.